0: You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. No further ado, we're getting into the word of God. And today, in light of it being New Year's, just in a few days, we're gonna be doing kind of a New Year's type message, looking back at all that God has done and looking forward and some ways in which we can remember the Lord in 2019. So why don't you open with me to actually Deuteronomy chapter 6. That's where we're going to be this morning, or that's where um, we're going to spend part of our time. So Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 12, why don't you turn there with me? Uh, If you don't have a Bible, you can share with someone next to you, or we do have it on the screen. We're going to get to that uh, in a little bit. But Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 12 is going to be the text that we're going to be reading. But let me go ahead and pray for our time this morning. God, thank you. Thank you for this place that we have to gather. Thank you that we're free to do so, that we can worship you in this place. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done and all of who you are. God, we wanna take time this morning to just pause before we run into the next year. We wanna pause and we wanna be reminded of who you are and what you've done for us, how, how good you've been to us. And so God, would you bless our time, would you anoint our time in your word this morning? Pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, as we approach the new year at this time in our lives, most of the world, most of you guys, myself included, you begin to assess like this past year, whether that's looking through your Instagram or you're just reminded of all the stuff you've done, right? Looking forward to the next year. And you, and you look ahead a lot of times with like hope of something different or better, I want to do that more. I want to do that different. But so many times, you know, we have these famous New Year's resolutions. We've got a bunch of them, TV commercials, posts about it. Like the whole world's talking about what is your New Year's resolution? What are the things you're going to be doing next year? And obviously, you know, one of the, the common ones is health and going to the gym. And like gym memberships are up something crazy, like 50% in the first two weeks of January. But those tail off by like the beginning of February. But... But it's huge. It's like a huge time for gyms because everybody's signed up for memberships because everybody wants to get healthy and fit and they ate too much during the holidays and so they're in it again. Many of us may be thinking of this, like, right? What are we gonna be doing differently this next year? And it might not just be the gym and it might be with our spirituality. It might be with our walks with the Lord. It could be rhythms of life. I was too busy or I wanna change my job or whatever it is. A lot of times calendar change can be a fresh start. In many ways, it can. But in my experience, we were really good when it comes to this time of the year, just thinking ahead. And we don't spend a ton of time dwelling on this past year. We're real quick to just try and be like, oh, it didn't work that well. That eh, was hard. That was busy. Let's just go on and do it differently. And so often, the, the good stuff that God did gets, gets muddled with the bad stuff, and we just throw it out. We fail to remember the good things that God has done for us. And as much as a calendar change, the start of a new year can be a fresh start, I think in many ways, God designed us to be historians. And I don't mean that in like a real drab way. Like when I was growing up, my dad was super into history. And so I kind of got turned off on like history channel all the time going on. You're like, why do I need to know how that bridge was built? Why? I don't care about that. But now I really appreciate it. really appreciate knowing the past and knowing history. But I believe that God in the same way doesn't just always want us looking ahead. If we always are looking ahead, always better, we're not only forgetting the past bad stuff, but we're actually failing to remember the good things that God has done. It is so tremendously important that we regularly recall all the good things that God has done. Like, it would be a fault in our part if we forget or put on a bookshelf all that God has done. This is why. The reason why it's so important that we remember all the things that God has done in our life, in the world, his characters, his attributes, is that his past track record is our future assurance. Let me say that again. God's past track record is our future assurance. What I mean by that is God's past track record of how he has treated humanity as a whole. And for you and I personally, has been, whether you you believe it or not, whether you think this way or not, has been with complete faithfulness, reliability, and grace. Like God has never not come through on anything he's ever told you he would do. He's been 100% reliable and gracious and kind and giving and loving to humanity. We get that mixed up sometimes. Sometimes we have a wrong idea. We have a wrong perception of history. And we muddle it with the character of God. But God has been nothing but gracious and nothing but loving. His track record has been perfect. God has lavished us with his grace. He's done exceedingly abundantly above all we can hope, ask, or imagine. And why it's important to regularly recall this stuff and to remember what he's done is that it encourages us, it comforts us, it emboldens us for what may come or what we're going through currently. Because if, you know, if we remember that, oh, well, God did that then, but this is my problem now. If we fail to remember what God did then, then we'll just be in it and we'll be so caught up with what we're in, we'll fail to remember who our God is and what he's done before and how He can do it again. We so often fail to remember or recall what God has done. It's really easy to do so, get really busy, we get really caught up, like already right now, you probably like, when are we gonna plan our vacations for next summer? When's so-and-so getting married? What's her budget for next year? And I'm not saying those things are bad, but we're already, we're already like, you're already done. Some of you that are planners, 2019 is done. Right, you're on it, you got your stuff out, you know, you know everything. Where we're going on spring break, fall break, you got it. That's, it's not bad, but, but so often, we're so caught up with either the present or the future, we fail to remember and recall what God has done. And it's not only because we're busy and we're on it. It's not only because we're in a digital age or a distractive age. The Israelites, God's people, struggled with this immensely before the invention of social media, before you were on your screen. Have you guys done the screen time thing? Have you guys seen that feature that iPhone does now? You can see how much you're on your phone every day. Scary. Scary. But before that, before we were wrapped up with all that we're wrapped up with, the Israelites, God's people, struggled with this immensely. And that's mostly what the Old Testament is about. It's about God's people seeing the goodness of God and over and over and over, they forget. They fail to remember, they fail to recall, they turn their backs on the Lord. Like there's this wonderful, amazing things that God has done and they fall into the same traps over and over. And unfortunately, Israel forgets what the Lord has done for that. And because of that, they disobey, and they turn away, and there's consequences, and there's sin, and there's ruin. And many, many times throughout each book, we see a theme emerge in the Old Testament. And the idea of of not forgetting or or, or don't uh, fail to remember what God did comes up. This is a thing that's told to them over and over. This is this thing that's reminded to them. This is, a, this is a huge theme in the Old Testament, in the Bible, is to not forget the Lord and what he's done for you. But like us, Israel is quick to forget, quick to not recall all that God had done for him. And most of the life of Israel is based off this. To try to combat that, to try to, to, try to not fail to remember, to try to always keep God at the forefront, Israel actually tried to like make their life surrounded with reminders. I mean, even, that's the purpose for any festivals or feasts or sacrifices. Even the way the tabernacle or the temple was built, the public reading of the Torah, their Bible, the Old Testament, things you could and couldn't eat, these were all physical and tangible things to remind them of the things that God has done. Them, like us, were so prone to wander, even though they had experienced God firsthand. I mean, they had met with the Lord. They had seen the hand of God save them from Egypt. Moses had had seen God face to face and given him the Ten Commandments and the law. God had provided, like, manna. Every day they'd wake up and there was food in the middle of the desert for everyone. God was leading them. I mean, this was insane. But they were so prone to wander that they had to fill their life with reminders to point them back to God or else they would depart. They were quick to do so. And so just even a few of them comes up, like even the, their morning prayer. Even like Orthodox Jews to this day, morning and evening prayer is the Shema. Shema Israel. This was a, every practicing Jew from, from time start till now would memorize the part of Deuteronomy 6 we're about to read. And this would be a centerpiece of Jewish prayer. And this is something that they would recite and that they would say and that they would speak over their families and their children's morning and night to try to not forget what God had done for them because they knew and they know the danger of it the danger of forgetting the Lord. This is Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 12. This is, this is the Shema, uh, verse four we're gonna get to is the, this, the Shema, but this is what it says. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and then their children, after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees And commands that I give you so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel and and, and be careful to obey that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors promised you. Verse four, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give to you today, they're to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you wake up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you the land with large, flourishing cities you didn't build. Houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide. Wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. And when you eat and are satisfied, be careful. Look at verse 12. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord. Who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. What this section in in Deuteronomy 6 is telling the people of God to do was to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. But in order to do that, it would be helpful for them if there was reminders all around them how good God had been to them. And so even here, it says you should teach your kids these things. There should be physical reminders. And, and specifically, uh, he says here that, that you should tie around your hands and your, and your, and your foreheads scripture. These are, these are called phylacteries or, or Teflon in Hebrew. Practicing very religious Jews. I have a picture of it. You guys know this? So the box on his head and and the, the wrapping on his arm comes from Deuteronomy 6, and in that box is a little piece of parchment with scripture on it. And they're very religiously doing what Moses here said in Deuteronomy chapter 6. They're doing it religiously and practicing it as a way of reminder to keep the law. Very religious Jews still do this. If you go to Israel today in Jerusalem at the Wailing Wall, you'll see at almost everyone has this. And then it says, not only on your, on your body should you have reminders to obey God, but also on the doorposts of your home. And almost in every traditional Jewish home, on the doorposts, there'd be a mezuzah. And this was a decorative or, or ceramic or metal case, and inside it was a Hebrew scripture. Uh, right there, sorry, you can't really see it, but this is a doorpost. And if you go to Israel, or if, if you have um, friends that, that are Jewish, they may have this on on the doorpost of their home. And traditionally, there's, there's parchment wrapped up with Deuteronomy 6 in that. And again, they're taking it to, to a religious form, but at the same time, the heart behind it, the purpose in doing it is so that they would not fail to remember all that God had done. Also, there was these big um, moments in, in Israel where there'd be a battle, There'd be be ground taken. God would give Israel the victory or he would supernaturally come in and save them. One was in the beginning of Joshua, right? When they just got into the promised land that was just spoken about in Deuteronomy 6, they crossed the Jordan River. God clears the way for them. Finally, he's given them the promised land. And the first thing, I mean, they're hardly even out of the Jordan River. And God says, the first thing you need to do, Joshua chapter four, is every A representative from every tribe, all 12 tribes, go into the river, grab a large stone, come to the promised land and set up a memorial stone. All 12 tribes did this. They grabbed stones. They made more or less a stone pillar, a stone pile. And what we see here in Joshua 4, this is the purpose for it. Joshua 4, 5 through 7. I have it on the screen. Joshua said to them, to the people of Israel, a memorial forever. This was a physical, tangible way to remind all of Israel and their kids of what God had did. Also happens in 1 Samuel 7, right? God gives victory over their, uh, Israel to, to Israel over their enemies. At this time, you know, is the, at the end of the time of judges, Israel was under revival under the leadership of Samuel they were repenting and they were walking with the Lord and God gave them victory over the Philistines. And what happened was, is that in 1 Samuel 7, Samuel takes a stone and he sets it up and he names it Ebenezer, not not like Scrooge, not like Ebenezer Scrooge, nothing to do with that. Ebenezer, which means a, a stone of help. And in verse 12, it says that thus far the Lord has helped us. And an Ebenezer stone, what that means is it's a stone, a physical marked spot where Israel could look and say, God saved us there. And so what would happen was the memorial stones, the Ebenezer stone, this was telling God's people when they encountered trouble ahead, they could look, they would pass by, they would walk by those, those stone piles or those piles would be talked about and they would be reminded, oh wait, God gave us victory there. God is faithful. He's always been faithful. He can do it again. The moment, the moment that Israel failed to remember all of these things is when they got into trouble. They began to doubt. They began to fear. And the same will happen for us. The moment that we don't know what God did don't know who God is, don't recall, aren't reminded, what's gonna happen is you're gonna step into a situation. Come this year. Come right now, you're in it. But why you're doubting, why you're fearing, why you're despairing, why you just can't get out of it, maybe it's because you haven't been reminded of the God in which we serve and love. Who he is, what he's done, his character. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus... Uh, continues this, well, Israel does, but it's culminated in, in the Passover meal. The, the night before Jesus' crucifixion, it happened to be the Passover. And even today, Passover meal, it's called the Passover Seder. It's a traditional meal that, that you they make a really big deal about. If you're, if you're a practicing Jew, make a really big deal about it. And what the Passover meal is, it's a moment where close family and friends make a huge meal, and every part of the meal is actually signifying something. A traditional Passover meal would consist of six different things. I have a picture of it. And and a couple, I mean, all those things mean something, specifically even like the bitter herbs. Recall the bitterness of, of slavery when they were in Egypt, and the main course being lamb. Signified the sacrificial lamb of the household that was killed to allow God's judgment to pass over them in Israel and so forth. Passover traditionally is remembering God saving Israel out of slavery in Egypt. And every part of this meal points to it. And so it's a time for every family, friends, and family to stop and remember what God has done. You get the picture. You get the picture here. Everything was meant to point our attention back to God, to not forget his goodness, his grace, his character, and his deeds. It's so important that as a faith community, here and now, Reality Honolulu, that we too not forget what God has done and we're not prayerful and expecting God to do even more this year. I mean, it's been so cool. Like, I mean, it's been really, really encouraging to step back. And if you've been a part of this church for like this past year, we've only been in church for a little over a year, so if you've been here, you, you can experience and you can see and you can um, witness what God has done. He's, he's taken all really different people and he's formed this new faith community. And just by your own personal testimonies of her testimonies of healing and restoration from past hurts, and we have gotten to experience baptisms and salvation and new life in Christ. There's incredible, like, deep heart work that God has been doing. There's also incredible, like, witness stuff. Like, the, the relationship that we have with this school that we meet at is unbelievable. There's so much favor. There's so much relationship there. There's so many open doors that God has opened and there's seeds that have been planted and a lot of the staff um, is really curious and asking about Jesus. I hear from each other. Like, hey, so-and-so is asking me about God. Hey, I'm interested in serving. I'm not a Christian, but I want to like serve at your church. It's like, okay, yeah, we can deal with that. Come on, let's figure that out. It's incredible this, this thing that God has done, this new local expression of his body. We've been able to give generously to the school and local nonprofits and families in need. And man, if I step back, I'm so encouraged that we've experienced the person and power and presence of Christ in some really tangible, incredible ways. Like we really have. Like if you step back and you think, and for me, it's, it's, it's so silly. But it's our Instagram and it, what happens, if I look back, I was just doing that, cause just from being reminded of what God had done. It's so encouraging to look through over the course of this last year and just thank God for what he's been doing and how he's been building his kingdom. God has been so good, and we as a church shouldn't forget that. We shouldn't just, like, not forget that, but we should be expectant and prayerful and excited for what's to come in this next year. Amen? Amen. Now, you may be sitting here and think, well, okay, this is all good and fine, but my life was super complicated, and this been, year's been really hard, and I've had unique drama and kind of a lot of junk, and um, hasn't been that great. Don't think this year's going to be great either. Maybe, maybe you're thinking, I don't, I'm not sure God, God will understand. Just as complicated as drama, a lot of junk. I can assure you that God cares, and he understands, and he sympathizes with us, and he knows our struggles. And in the midst of them all, he's still God. Your stuff, our junk, our messes, don't change his character. His thoughts towards us, his plans towards us aren't swayed by our own stuff. He sympathizes with our our stuff that we're in. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, speaks of this. Speaking of Christ. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we don't have a high priest, speaking of Jesus, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore... Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, Jesus came and he lived amongst all of humanity's depravity, excuse me, depravity. Like all the wickedness and drama and problems and junk he experienced. There was family drama, there was relational drama, there was cultural drama. People didn't, most people did not like Jesus. He was outcast. Then he was arrested and beaten and mocked and tortured and killed. He, he knows our issues. He knows our pain. This week, my daughter, um, five and a half, super cute. And we're playing out uh, outside a little carport. She got these like, like a remote control car for Christmas. And she's super stoked on it. And so she's excited. She's running out. And we have a few set of stairs before you get into the carport. And she falls down, scrapes her knee. And for her, like blood, even if it's like a little blood, this is like the worst thing that's ever happened. Like trauma, ER, like like freaks out. If there's blood, 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 blood. So then trying to comfort her, trying to, you know, hey, it's going to be okay. It really wasn't bad at all. Like honestly, hardly broke the skin. And I said, hey, it's going to be okay. It's totally fine. And she's asking me, like, why? Why do you know that I'm going to be okay? You know, because she's saying, why? Like, why? And I said, well, I've gotten cuts, too. And I've gotten cuts, like, way worse than that. She's like, you have? And then I start talking about, like, my stitches and my scars. And like, oh, yeah, like, I was talking about all this stuff. And I'm fine now. I've gotten through it. They've healed totally good. And honestly, because I had already known what she went through and gotten through it, That's the only way that it made it better. Because otherwise, she's like, I'm still in pain. I'm still hurting. How is this good? How is it going to be good? But it's only because I had gone through it myself. I sympathized with her weaknesses. I came out the other side. I could say, I I, I know what you're going through is going to be okay. It is like a million, billion times more with our Lord. He has suffered in any way. He knows inside and out all that we've gone through. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows the pain, he knows the hurt, he knows the anguish, he knows everything that's happened to you and that will happen to you. He knows what your year will hold and he's still God in the midst of it. He knows where we're at, he knows what it'll be, and he's still a God that wants to be there for you, with you, get you through it, bring comfort, bring joy, bring mercy, bring grace to everything that is a part of your life. It's so important that we do not forget the Lord this year. Especially if you're feeling the way I just talked about. Or all of us are going to encounter hardship in one way or another. Tragedy. Job loss. Financial hardship. Sickness. Disease. Like, we'll, we'll experience it. We, it's so important that we remember who God is and what he's done this coming year. So the question we have to ask ourselves, okay, Israel did it in a lot of different ways. But how can we set up reminders? How can we regularly recall all that God has done? I'm not telling you today to wear phylacteries and tie boxes on your heads and tie things around your arms. I'm not saying you have to put um, things on your doorposts or eat a Seder meal, you can do those things. But what it may look like for us to set up reminders is church, coming weekly and worshiping and. And, and experiencing Christ from His Word and praying together. And maybe Ohana groups, smaller groups during the week where you gather and can bear each other's burdens and share life and cry with one another and pray for one another. It may just be fellowship with believers, asking people over your house, going to coffee. Maybe maybe counseling. Maybe you feel like you're maybe not even good at it, but someone comes to you and says, hey, what do you think I should do about this? Or what does the what Bible say? Or... I don't know if people happen that happens in your life, but as a pastor, it happens all the time for me. And the best reminder that I have, absolutely, is when I have to counsel someone, I have to say, when someone's asking, "Hey, how do I forgive someone?" And when I start begin to talk about how God forgived us, and this is how we do it and work through all the nuances of it, I get so ministered to, because I, what I'm saying from God's word and His spirit, I'm being reminded of God's goodness and grace. It might be, you know, daily Bible reading. It might be a podcast. If we, if we put reminders on this for, for other stuff, maybe let's be reminded, let's put a reminder, like, God is good. He can get you through it. Right, we do it all the time, we're like on it. Apps, reminders, posts. Why don't we do some reminders that remind us of how good God is? Like knowing that that meeting on Friday is gonna be really stressful. What about like you set a reminder right before with like Philippians 4, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything give thanks. We we don't really really do that. Maybe you're awesome and you do that. But I want to encourage us to, in the regular rhythms in our life, set triggers, reminders that God is good, that God can get you through, that God has not left you, that God has not failed you. We have like a lot of new babies coming. Many babies, babies outside right now. You're pregnant in here this morning. There's a lot of sleepless nights when you're a parent, unfortunately. And those are like the hardest times sometimes when like kids crying or you can't sleep, it's like 3 a.m. which is like no one should be up at 3 a.m. Maybe that's the time where you need to like set a reminder like, like a little thing on the, somewhere on your end table or whatever like don't despair. God can get you through. Whatever it is. But how do we do that? In the busyness, we're prone to wander, we're prone to forget. But when a difficult situation comes, like we need to be reminded of the Red Sea. Like we we jokingly have this Christianese thing where we said, like, this is my Red Sea. So hard, this impossible task in front of me. We say that because that's what israel came up against they come up against this impossible thing like how do i cross this and God supernaturally parted the red sea but if we don't remember that if we don't know that then when our red sea comes about we won't get through it like when it comes to feeling like oh man like i had so much hope in that and now i feel like that thing in my life almost feels dead how how will it ever come to life again we need to re- remember like lazarus that jesus raises things from the dead That's what he does. We have this finite, like closed off idea of the world. And I don't know about you, I don't know if you're like me, but man, I'm so quick to forget. Like I'm so quick. Like God does this amazing thing here, turn around, and all of a sudden this happens, you're like, it's all over. I can't, I can't, oh my gosh. This message is for me, just as much as it's for you. How do we set up Regular rhythms this year to trigger reminders of who God is. And ultimately, this is, this is the best news. If you're saved, if you're a believer, God says He sealed you with his Holy Spirit. Th- those, these things, these reminders, they're like, um, they're like signposts on the road pointing you the right way. But the Spirit of God in us is the power of God to live for God. So it's not like, okay, guys, this year, just be more religious, do more stuff, be be better, like surround yourself with Post-it notes all around your house like a crazy person. That's not what I'm saying. Those reminders, everything that I'm talking about are helpful guides. They're like signposts. But really, we need to pray and ask for the power of the Spirit to remind us of God the Father through what Christ did on the cross. It's saying, God, I can't do this without you. I can't start this year. I shouldn't do without you. Apart from you, I can do nothing. I need your Holy Spirit to help me, to strengthen me, so that I won't wander, that I won't disobey, that I won't depart from you. Right, the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. All those other things are helps and guides and and to foster our attention, but we rely upon and pray for God himself in the person of the Holy Spirit, amen? I want to end um, with, at that Passover meal, right, on the eve of the crucifixion, Jesus gathered his disciples, and he instituted something. And he did it as a way of reminder. And it was communion. The bread and the cup, the Eucharist, whatever you want to call it communion was was instituted by Jesus at the Passover meal. Remember, at the Passover meal. And And he took bread and he took the wine at the table and on the eve of him dying, he gave it to his disciples and he says, as often as you do this, as often as you break bread and drink the wine or the juice, do it in remembrance of me. Jesus was continuing on with the theme of remembering himself. And that's why we at Reality, we have communion on these little tables every Sunday in this second set of worship that we'll we'll go into right now. Because as often as we do it, at any time you can come up and you can take a little bread and dip it in the juice, you remember... Christ's body that was broken and his blood that was spilt on our behalf. And what it does is it brings you back to the cross again. That he saved us from our sins. That we're not stuck in our sins anymore. That your, your life and your past hurts and your past sin and doesn't define you. Christ's life defines you. Like, that's why as often as we do it, like, it's okay to take communion, like, Every day. Every, every week, because it's a reminder of who God is and what he's done. Amen? So I'm going to invite you into that. We're going to invite the band up and play a few more songs. We're going to worship God for who he is and what he's done. But we're also going to take communion together as a way to remember what God has done towards us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you. There's so much to thank you for. Even though our life may have been complicated and hard and uneasy and there was things that didn't expect to happen this year, thank you that you were still God and you still are God through it all. And thank you that looking over the course of history, we can see your faithfulness. You never left your people. You'll never leave us. You never forsake us. You'll always extend grace. You'll always extend kindness. I pray that we personally would know those things, walk in them, and remember them this year. Maybe for some of us, it's starting new jobs or going back to school or, or maybe doing the exact same thing. We pray in the midst of everything that we encounter this next year, that Holy Spirit, by your power, that we'd be reminded of our God. But God, would you help us to also set up reminders for us to put back the attention on you. So God, we just pray in this time of worship right now, that we would worship you in spirit and in truth for all that you are and all that you've done. As we sing out these lyrics, as we we look at these lyrics of these songs, as we sing them, we pray that it would come from a heart of of deep gratitude, deep adoration of what you've done for us. God, we're expectant for you to move more this year. Say, do it. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.